0: Oops! I guess that's me.
1: I
2: forgot.
1: (laughs) Forgot what I was doing this morning. As we well know, Dr. Tim's on his much-needed vacation, so he asked me to stand in and welcome. And that was Dr. Tim. Um, Welcome. Good morning. It's a beautiful summer morning. It's been a rough week here at Community Baptist Church. As Jerry said goodbye to her sister, and I know what a wonderful sister Jerry is. As we said goodbye to Sammy, and we'll certainly miss our Sammy. We know that they're up there looking down at us today. Um, We continue to pray for Vince Davis. Um, His family has asked for no visitors today so he can get some rest today. Um, Let's see what else we have going on. We always... Welcome our visitors. We're very glad that you're here with us at Community Baptist Church. There are some maroon folders at the end of each aisle. We ask that you sign those so we can have a record of who visited our wonderful church. We're glad you're here. Um, starting tomorrow, when we have our Bible school, and you all continue to amaze me. I think most of our supplies are in. We'll get go on with Bible school in the morning at 9 a.m. at Presbyterian Church. So it is not too sign not too late to sign up. We still need volunteers. We still need children. We usually have about a between 100 and 130 children there this week. So that's going to be a busy week. On Wednesday night, remember we're still doing our summer suppers. Last week, our light summer supper was ham. Thank you, Larry White. It was delicious, and green beans and macaroni and cheese. It's going to be a little bit lighter this Wednesday night. It's going to be Subway sandwiches and potato chips, and uh, build your own ice cream sundays. So that's what it is this Wednesday night. Um, the canoe trip will be here before we know it, July 11th and 12th. Anything new on that, Christine? Okay. All right. Um, I think that's all we have. On Wednesday night, we do have an anniversary meeting, and it will be at 5 o'clock. Church anniversary meeting, 20 years you all have made this church come alive. So, with that, anything else? Choir practice Wednesday night at 7.20, right after the business meeting. All right, just like we always do here at Community Baptist Church, let's stand up and welcome each other, give each other hugs. We all need it to get through. Let's welcome each other in the name of the good Lord above.
2: Sing it louder, nothing has the power to say.
3: Of reading this morning. Creator God, everything around us reflects your majesty. The winds that bend the trees, the creatures that fill the air and land, the great planets and stars that light up summer nights. Wherever we turn, we see your divine splendor. But it is only upon the hearts of women and men that you imprint to your image. So we, your children, have fashioned reflections of you with our creative gifts, the art and architecture, music and literature, poetry and photographs, steeples and crosses, banners and children's drawings, Bach fugues and carefully tended gardens, and food lovingly prepared. These are our offerings to each other in your name. Our unique ways of saying who appear among us. Let us create new songs in praise of you, our God. Let us discover fresh ways of proclaiming your greatness and glory.
2: Let's stand and sing on hymn number uh, 184. First, second, fourth verse. It's all the world to me, my.
0: and Lamanites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Protestant Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet. Before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Will be saved So say Good morning
4: how is everybody this morning? We're going to look over this way today. Miss Mary is going to preach this morning about when a group, when a when people come together and become more than just a group of people. And I've been thinking about that a lot this week. I asked her last week what her sermon topic was going to be today, and I got to thinking about our church mission statement. And I had the opportunity to sit in with the group whenever we uh, formed our church mission statement, and uh, as you know, the name of our church is Community Baptist Church, and the first word in our mission statement is community, and it's very important to us as a as a group that we are thought of as a community. And I was thinking about the word community, and it's actually made up of two words: commune, which means to come together. In unity, to come together as one. And as a group that comes together as one, you typically come together because you have something in common. Maybe you have a goal. Uh, something you know that you're working towards. Um, so I was thinking about how I kind of visualize our community here. And I think of us as a, as a circle. Notice my circle is not perfect because our community is made up of people. And, of course, as humans, we're not perfect. And you notice here how I didn't close the circle because we always want to be open for anyone to join us who wants to come and be a part of our community. And we always have people coming. And then there are times when, for some reason, someone... To, decides that they need to leave the community for some reason. And God gave us all free will. So people will join and people will leave as, as they see fit. Um, also, if you know in our notice in our mission statement, Community Baptist Church being the presence of Christ. And that's our common goal. And so God, Jesus, are always here at the center of our community. That's what we need to be focused on. And all of the things that we do as a community need to be focused upon God and upon Jesus. And the next here in our mission statement is the word serving. And I got to thinking about that. We have so many different groups here in our church that reach out and serve in different ways. Uh, Look up here in the choir. we got people up here in the choir That serve through music. We got Miss Jika over here playing the piano, Nibby, who is typically here playing the organ. Of course, we have Dr. Hobbs who preaches. And then we have our teachers here. You have Miss Mary, I have Miss Jika, Uh, we have Miss Phyllis who teaches a Sunday school class. Uh, We also have people who do missions. Few weeks ago we went out into the community and did missions out in the community, go on mission trips. Now I was thinking about the youth and the children. You are a part of our community. And how do you think that you fit into the community? You are the future of our community. Whenever you go to Pleasant Point and you visit with the folks there, you're taking our community out into the world. And that's the next part of our mission statement, serving a world in need. And that's part of where I showed you the arrows here, where people go in and out. One day, whenever you grow up, you might decide to go away to college somewhere. You might decide to have a job somewhere besides here. You'll still be a part of our community. Anyone that's ever been a part of our group here is always going to be a part of our community. But we take what we have learned from each other, from our teachers and from our preacher and from our missions and from our work together here as a group, and we take that out into the world and we spread that. And that is why the mission statement was so important to our church when we formed it, that we wanted to make sure that we... That we showed in our mission statement what we truly feel as a church is our mission to the world. So let's have a prayer together. Lord, we hope that the Holy Spirit empowers us to live righteously, love and encourage each other with grace, not selfishness, God's love, not anger, communion, not conflict. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you.
1: All uh-huh. right. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and all that have come to your church to worship and learn about you. Thank you for all of our blessings in our lives, both large and small. We know this has been a difficult week for our church as several families have lost family members and friends. We continue to pray for ones who are ill and in the hospital or at home. We ask the bereaved and the sick feel a sense of your presence and comfort in their lives. We pray that you will continue to guide us to share our resources, our talents, and our time with those in need of knowing more about you. We ask for your blessings on these tithes and offerings this morning. In Jesus' name we pray.
2: Amen.
5: That's my very most favorite song. (laughs) Good 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 morning. The job of Dan Hotchkiss from the Alban Institute was to facilitate what may have been the most diverse and ecumenical gathering of rabbis ever. Some tension was apparent even as the rabbis started to arrive. Men in black with side, with side locks and long beards. Women wearing yarmulkes, those little skull caps. And talus, the shawl-like garments with the fringes. And they were spanning all of the major branches. Orthodox, conservative, reform, and reconstructionist. One rabbi who was greeting everyone vigorously, shaking hands with all of the men, was from the Lubavitch Shabbat, a movement that irritates and worries all of the others with their mystical ideas and their lack of dues. With so much variety, you would think that there'd be 50 to 100 rabbis. But this little room had only 14 people. 15, if you count Dan, 16, if you count Elaine, who worked for the Jewish Federation, she worried about rabbis. She found them to be lonely and isolated and stressed and, like ministers of all faiths, ill-prepared for the realities of life in the congregation. So she schmoozed and nudged these rabbis into coming to a three-day rabbinical retreat They were prepared to learn about growth and decline in the congregations, goal setting, and accountability, among other things. But things took a really big turn that very first session. Dan Hotchkiss said that they started with a a go-around, one of those quick little check-ins of sorts, but it seems that those rabbis had a lot to talk about. A lot they couldn't talk about with anybody else. Among the pains and troubles that poured out, one rabbi, Jacob, had a Yarzite. He asked the group to form a minion to say Kaddish. Yeah, I know, I had to look all that stuff up too. Um, Minion is Hebrew for a group of ten who form a quorum for a prayer group. Kaddish is Aramaic for one of the most moving and important prayers in the Jewish tradition, the prayer for the dead. Yarzite is Yiddish, literally meaning year time. It's an anniversary. So it was the anniversary of Jacob's brother's death, and he was asking for a group to pray with him. Well, some of, the, some of the rabbis wouldn't count women in a minion, the prayer group. Some of them wouldn't even pray unless the men and women were physically separated. A couple of the women made it clear that they would not be separated and they would be counted. Dan said that he was no longer the facilitator, but rather an odd, odd spectator of a learned debate among a group of 14 rabbis about how to reconcile their differences in order to achieve a goal that they had all agreed on. Kaddish, must be said. A bereaved Jew's request to form a minion for his brother was a great mitzvah, a non-debatable priority. Dan said it took, it took most of the day to struggle with this problem, Fourteen rabbis from different traditions speaking English, Aramaic, Hebrew, and Yiddish all trying to figure out how to say Kaddish with their colleague Jacob on the anniversary of his brother's death. I'm thinking Dan felt a whole lot like Peter when he and the other apostles gathered in Jerusalem for Pentecost. So... Let's back up a step here. How could they be gathered for Pentecost, as it says in verse 1, when Pentecost hadn't actually happened yet? This passage describes what happened at Pentecost, doesn't it? Well, for those gathered in Jerusalem that day, Pentecost was one of the three pilgrimage feasts That the whole household of Israel was to gather together in Jerusalem to celebrate the goodness of God toward their nation. The other two pilgrimage feasts were Passover, we know about that one, and Sukkot. Sukkot is the festival of tabernacles. Sukkot is commemorated in the fall and reminds the Israelite nation of the temporary dwellings that they had to live in while wandering in the wilderness those 40-odd years. Pentecost, or Shavuot, literally means 50th day. So this was day 50 after Passover, and and celebrates the day when God gave the Torah to the nation of Israel on Mount Sinai. That's why all of these people from all of these places, speaking all of these languages, had traveled to Jerusalem. They were there to celebrate Shabbat, or Pentecost, as mandated by the Jewish tradition. Well, just a few days before, the resurrected Jesus had told his disciples to stay put in Jerusalem and wait. And in a few days, they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So is this what Jesus, why Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem? Because he knew his Jewish calendar, that there would be people from all over gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. I don't know, but it seems to make sense. Okay, we wait. But in the meantime, while we're waiting for this baptism of the Holy Spirit, they decided to conduct some business. We are so not good at waiting. They replaced Judas with Matthias one who had been traveling with them from the beginning. Probably needed to be done anyway. And then they waited some more. When suddenly, they're just hanging out, playing phase 10, reading the Torah, deciding on the menu for the Pentecost celebration dinner. Probably not ham. When suddenly, there came a rush There came a sound like the rush of a violent wind and filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came down to rest on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Well, that would certainly be enough to get your attention. But let's look at the folks who were there. God-fearing Jews, first and foremost. It doesn't matter who or from where, where. first they were God-fearing Jews. So, okay, the ones who were speaking were Galileans, then Parthians, Medes, Eliamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus. Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya near Cyrene, Rome, Cretan, and Arabs. Sixteen places, sixteen languages or dialects or accents, and yet they all heard as though in their own language. Was this a miracle of tongues, of languages? Or was this a miracle of hearing? I don't know. I'm sure that we have all heard it argued both ways. Whichever way, tongues or ears, it was certainly something miraculous. But let us not lose sight of that thing that happened first. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Does it matter if it was a miracle of languages or hearing, of tongues or ears? The point is, this is where God gives us the Holy Spirit. You know, God's been involved with folks from the beginning, like in the beginning when God created heaven and earth. At first, God was enough. Just having God present, leading, being our constant partner and companion was enough. And then it wasn't. The Israelite nation wanted a king. Everyone else has a king God. We want a king. So God gave them kings. Well, that didn't work out so well. So God decided what any of us would decide. I'll just do it myself. And God squeezed into human skin and came to us as Jesus. Jesus came to be with us, to teach us not just what to do or how to live, but how to be. But if Jesus had just come and taught, even living it in front of us, performing all sorts of miracles, establishing this following, and then died, even with the resurrection. If there was then nothing, what would become of all that work? Some of the brothers had already gone back to work in the fishing business. What if Jesus had come, taught, lived, died, rose again, and then nothing? What would have happened? God knows us better than we know ourselves. God knew that we couldn't just be left to our own devices and Jesus' teaching. So God sent us the Holy Spirit to give us direction and guidance and wisdom and courage and encouragement. Peace, grace, discernment. God gave us the Holy Spirit to carry on after Jesus was no longer here physically. And God gave the Holy Spirit in a way we could recognize and remember. Well, God, it worked. Except there were some who thought it was just all in a drunken stupor. They're filled with new wine. If you can't explain it any other way, just tell them they're drunk. Oh, that explains it. Except it didn't explain it. The twelve disciples, twelve again voting Matthias in, stood before the crowd and Peter took the lead. Now isn't it interesting that it was Peter, the denier, the one who wouldn't even admit to knowing Jesus, is about to make again one of our greatest confessions. These folks are not drunk. It's just 9 o'clock in the morning. Well, okay, Peter. If they're not drunk, then what in the world is happening? Peter says, listen carefully to what I say. Listen. The Greek word literally means, let me place it into your ears. Listen to what the prophet Joel was talking about. Remember? In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit. In those days they will prophesy, I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter kept on talking, explaining who Jesus was, what he had gone through, and their ancestor da- what their ancestor David had said about Jesus, even though at the time David didn't know it was Jesus he was talking about. Until finally Peter declares, Let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ." And with that, folks got it. God had not abandoned them. With Jesus being gone, gone, God had still not abandoned them. God had given them the gift of the Holy Spirit, and nothing would be the same. So what now? Funny, that was the crowd's next question, too. So what do we do now, Peter? First, Peter says, is to repent and be baptized. No more circumcision no more circumcision, no more going through the doors of the Jewish nation to be a follower of Jesus. Just repent and be baptized. And they did. And as told at the end of Acts chapter two, all the believers were together and held everything in common. They found the wisdom. Of a shared purpose. Thank you, Christine. Jennifer Keefe's 10 year old son, Timothy, came home from school last November and asked his mom to go buy him a suit. Keefe was taken aback. She was used to her six year old son, Danny, wearing suits. He'd been a- attached to them since Christmas when his mom bought him a red shirt and a black jacket but 10-year-old Timothy had never shown any interest in dressing up. Ten-year-old boys like to wear Under Armour and sweatshirts, she said. I asked him why he needed a suit. We're all wearing them, Timothy said, to show Danny we support him. Kids at school had been bullying Danny. They didn't understand why he wore a dress shirt every day, and they didn't understand why he couldn't talk. Danny has apraxia of speech, a motor disorder that makes it difficult to communicate. Kids would go up to him and ask, why can't you talk, just talk? Danny would come home distraught, but a group of boys on the Bridgewater Badger football team, where Danny is the official water manager, wouldn't stand for that. So they organized a Danny Appreciation Day where they would all imitate Danny's suave style and go proudly to school. More than 40 boys wore suits. Keith said that the boys could have gone to the playground and said, who's doing this to you? Where are they? And it could have turned ugly. But instead, they responded in this very adult-like, peaceful way. It was all about love and support. Danny started crying when he saw everyone in suits that day. He was only six, but it was like he understood the magnitude of what had happened. It was all caught on video and posted on YouTube, and so now, six months later, Danny confidently walks around school. Nobody picks on him anymore. It's kind of the opposite now, his mom says. Kids go up to him and say, "'Hey, you're the kid from TV.'" The wisdom of a shared purpose. Jesus taught us that we are the wisdom of a shared purpose. That life is better when you're a part of a team. Period. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, rich or poor, old or young, slave or free. When the Holy Spirit showed up that day at Pentecost... And they understood the wisdom of a shared purpose. The crowd stopped being just a bunch of people and became the church. This creation was not just a crowd, not just a bunch of people, but the church. And it ushered in a whole new epoch of God's salvation story. When, God, when the Holy Spirit came, when this bunch of people understood those shared, the, shared, the wisdom of a shared purpose, the church was born, and with it, the waiting was over. We now have been given our work, our mission, our shared purpose. Acts 2.42 said they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They sold their possessions and gave, gave to anyone that had need. The mission of the church is now about learning, praying, taking care of each other, proclaiming, proclamation, and being God's hands to all who need. But in the last couple of thousand years, we've deviated from that mission. There are times when we have stopped being the church and gone back to being a bunch of people. When we qualify who can be in and who must stay out, we are not the church. We're just a bunch of people. When we judge who has been gifted for ministry and who cannot follow their calling, we are not the church. We're just a bunch of people. When we do not stand together in the wisdom of a shared purpose with the Holy Spirit as our guide, we are not the church. We're just a bunch of people. But every once in a while, we get it right. So back to the group of rabbis trying to figure out how to form a minion and say Kaddish for their colleague. There was no doubt that this request was a mitzvah, a non-debatable priority. In that community, the covenant had created a new thing, a center of loyalty to which all owed their best and strongest efforts. In the end, the Orthodox gave the most. They found a local congregation where they could go and say Kaddish Simultaneously with this rabbi's minion, the women adjusted their participation to accommodate some of the more moderate men. And in the end, Jacob had not one minion, but two. Fourteen rabbis willing to struggle with their differences in the name of a shared purpose. The Holy Spirit was there and they became church. Most of the time when we are the church, we can't explain it. But just as Frederick Bickner says, you don't need to understand healing to be healed or to know anything about blessing to be blessed. We don't need to understand the work of the Holy Spirit to be the church. We just need to show up with repentant hearts, open hands, a willingness to preach the gospel and, if necessary, use words. That's when we stop being just a bunch of people and become the church. May it be so. Amen. 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 Will you stand with me as we sing our closing hymn, Open My Eyes That I May See, number 502. Tim are going to offer our choral benediction.
2: Go in peace. Go in kindness. Go in love. Go in faith Leave the day The day behind us Day is done Go in grave Let us go Into the dark Not afraid Not alone Let us hope By some good pleasure Safely to Arrive at home Let us hope By some good pleasure safely to arrive at Yeah. <laughs> yeah, corn.
1: Y'all were the corn today. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Tim. That was cute. Two more times we We can do a saxophone. Thank you. Sam Baker. i read about him. Sam Baker He was in an explosion on a train a terrorist. I'll Google and him. Almost everybody else. Did you Google him? Yeah, that's yeah, the, the right word. There. there was an interview with him on N.B. Yeah, good. I loved it, too, Ken. Yeah. Thank uh, you. The guy that wrote that, he was in an explosion on a train in Peru and his terrorist driver.
5: They probably
2: really
5: they had an interview with him on
2: the NPR. And uh-huh. I, it's, it's on me, I that. It's on, if you go on YouTube, you can probably get the and then go to the beach. Alright. let do it. I go get my purse. The pocketbook cannot go with you. You got your pocketbook. I got my purse. Thank you, Mark. That was good that text the oh, nice work yeah.